Well, years ago, I sat across from my therapist, because we all need a good therapist, right? In her warm and inviting office like I had for so many weeks and months before. But this time was a little different. I was angry. I was impatient and fed up. I had wrestled for so long with burning questions about my life, problems to be solved, a broken marriage, the challenges of parenting. I wanted answers, and I wanted them yesterday. Thank you very much. And after what seemed like an hour of silence, my therapist looked at me with her kind eyes, and she said, bury the seed, cover it up, and walk away. Over time, you will see what will rise to the surface and flourish. Now, at this point, I was willing to try just about anything. But this, letting it go, not knowing the outcome or what the answer would be, I could barely silence my mind for 30 seconds, and now I'm being asked to cover it up and walk away? But over the weeks and months that followed, I learned what it meant to bury the seed, to cover it up, and walk away. It meant trusting in something larger than myself. It meant that I had to step out from the thick of things in order to see the big picture. And most importantly, I had to trust the process of letting go, embracing the timing of life, and letting things unfold as they should. So many of us find this same challenge. When we are in the pits or prisons of our lives, we start looking for solutions right away. We want to fix it. We want to check it off the list. We want to solve the problem as soon as we can and in the most effective way that we can. We become desperate and hopeless. And let's be honest, a lot of us become control freaks. Amen? Bonnie confessed last at the 8.30 service. <laughs> and many of us may bury that seed and cover it up, but as soon as it starts to blossom into a tree or a plant, we uproot it or we even try to destroy it. And we do that out of fear or anger or because we simply can't wait any longer to see what it's going to be. Then we find ourselves having to go back to the beginning again, hoping for a different outcome. We don't trust the process. We want to control it. We want to tamper with it. I have been there, and I bet you have too. We meet Joseph today in his 12th year of imprisonment. 12 years! As Pastor Nicole points out in this chapter of her book, she says, I'm guessing he's not sitting around thinking, God, your timing is everything. He's probably not doing that. Last week, we heard about how Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him, to remember what Joseph had done for him in the dungeon with helping him with his dream and toward his freedom. But two years have gone by, and Joseph is still sitting and waiting perhaps losing hope, feeling forgotten, feeling as if his life is just wasting away. His faith is faltering. Perhaps he is angry and feeling profound sadness. But God is not done with Joseph yet. I'm guessing that Joseph hated to wait just as much as the rest of us. 
especially in our world today where we can order food from our iPhones and it shows up on our door, right? Or we can stream our movies, our favorite TV shows within seconds. We don't have to wait anymore for the next week to see what's going to happen. Waiting is not something that we are accustomed to these days. But my son, Xavier, who is six, will never know what it's like to wait for that much-anticipated movie to come out on VHS or DVD. VHS, right? He will never know the anguish of waiting another week to see how his favorite TV show will unfold on cable TV. But he does know the anguish, as many of us do, of waiting in line. Just last week, I thought a meltdown was imminent when I took him to a fall festival, and we had to wait in a long line for a balloon animal. Every five seconds was another complaint about having to wait. How much longer, Mommy? Why is this taking so long? Why did that person's animal take longer than that one? Why do we have to wait? I want my balloon animal now. But finally, Xavier realized that he had a perfect view of the people making the balloon animals while we waited. So I held his place in line while he ran over to his perch and he watched the people making the balloon animals and he was entertained. He thought, oh, maybe I can make balloon animals too. So in that process, he learned how to do something. And oftentimes we struggle to wait because we interpret waiting as punishment or wasting time or an unfortunate spot of boredom. Now, Xavier has a book right now, thanks to Susie Long. Actually, she let me borrow these. And it's about having a boredom spot. And in this book, it helps him understand that being bored is not necessarily a bad thing. As a parent, I know many of you can relate. It's infuriating to hear, I'm bored. This is boring. Especially when my child is surrounded by hundreds of toys, games, books, the TV, Netflix, Minecraft he's into these days. And there's even a playground outside of our house. It says, I'm bored, Mom. Well, when a boredom spot shows up, as this book tells us, it's really a chance to learn something new or to do something creative. It's out of our boredom spots that new ideas are born. When a boredom spot shows up, it's our, brain, our brain's way of telling us that we have time to learn something new. Now, in today's world, where time is a precious commodity, when everyone and everything tries to take our time away, what a gift it is to actually have time to be bored. So don't discount those boredom spots, I tell my son, and I tell myself sometimes. Befriend them. Let them work on you a bit. See what comes out of it. Because waiting and boredom sometimes go hand in hand. Waiting feels unjust or unfair, especially when our circumstances are nothing we would have chosen for ourselves. Let's remember that Joseph was framed and put into prison. He had really no real reason to be there. He not only struggled with the hardships of prison life, but he had to face the reality that his punishment was unjust. Yet he had a choice to make. 
He'd either throw in the towel and give up, letting himself spiral into despair, or he can make the best out of the situation and hold on to hope for a better future. He could choose to believe that God's timing is never wasteful or an act of punishment, but we could see it as an act of grace. It is in these moments of waiting that God prepares us for the seed that will become a tree and the gifts within us that are waiting to be nurtured until they are ready to be known. It is in these moments of waiting that God calls people into our lives to strengthen us, to guide us, and to give us the courage that we need. It is in these moments that God reminds us about the truth of who we really are. Now, there's a person named Brian Stevenson who is an attorney, well known for his work with black inmates on death row in the South. His book is called Just Mercy. There is a film about him as well. Pastor Nicole shared with me between services that she has been there to do a site visit and to learn more about what has happened in that place. And as a Harvard Law student, Brian had his pick of lucrative jobs. Instead, he went to Alabama to defend men who were wrongly condemned or who were not afforded proper representation. One of Brian's first and most controversial cases was Walter McMillian. Walter was sentenced to die for the murder of an 18-year-old girl, despite the large amount of evidence that proved his innocence. And the only testimony against him came from a criminal with a motive to lie on the witness stand. Brian fought for justice for Walter and dozens of others. In the film about his life and work, this scene that we're going to watch gives us an idea of the impact that Brian made on Walter's life in a time where he was waiting to find out whether he was going to live or he was going to die. Let's take a look. But these last few days, I can't stop thinking about miles up there, telling everybody how it went down. That's the first time I feel like myself since I've been locked up. First time I remember who I is. These fools gonna do what they gonna do. But if they take me to that chair tonight, Going out smiling. Because I got my truth back. You gave that to me. To me, my family. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. In the midst of painful waiting and the unknown, Walter was able to rediscover his own truth, and in turn, he discovered a reason to hope. 
In his unjust time of waiting, Walter found strength to carry on through Brian, who reminded him of his strength and his worth. Walter was reminded that Brian was not going to give up on him. I believe that God does this for each of us. We have found ourselves in the pits and prisons of our lives. We may feel that we have been abandoned or beat down or treated unfairly. But God does not give up on us. We may find hope in those lifelines that God sends our way, and sometimes just at the right time. In Walter's case, he was set free. His innocence was proven, and he was able to reunite with his family and live into his truth. As Joseph spent painful years waiting in prison, God reminded him that he was not alone. He had a gift, and that gift would prove worthy of celebration and eventually his freedom and power. He had the knowledge of knowing that he had made his relationship with those people that Pharaoh had sent in with him, that he made those relationships count. He had shown them kindness and patience and wisdom in helping them understand their dreams. In times that we might feel stuck or bored or impatient, we have to remember to make it count, even when we find ourselves among people that we may never choose to be associated with in the first place. We just never know what person, place, or situation from our past God will use as a way to connect the dots to the big picture that is our lives. I have a friend who is an ethics professor, and at the beginning of each semester, he has all of his students introduce themselves to one another. And there's kind of a groan that goes around the room, especially if it's one of those lecture halls with several hundred people. And that takes a while. But when they are done, he tells them that they are now forever connected. We never know when someone will be the person to help connect a dot in our lives, whether now or later on down the road. The same is true for life circumstances. We never know what situation, however difficult, will hold valuable lessons for our future. One of the most difficult times in my ministry life was when I was asked to serve a church in an extremely rural area. I felt very isolated. My marriage was falling apart. My son, who was only six or seven months old at the time, was very sick and eventually ended up in the hospital. The church was not overly supportive of my family. And every new idea that I presented to them to help them with growth and change was met with an almost hateful resistance. For a while, when I looked back on that year, I felt like it was a waste of time and energy. I thought, well, that only made things worse. That was a really painful detour. It made me doubt my calling, and I lost some faith in people. But as time passed, I was able to name valuable lessons that I learned in that ministry setting. Most importantly, I learned about my own inner strength. I was reminded of what exactly it is that I can do and what I can handle. And the relationships I formed there helped me grow as a person and a pastor. Months later, after I had been reassigned to a different church, a member of that previous church sent me a note 
to say how much they appreciated my boldness and my hard decisions that were made in order to help move that church forward. It may have seemed pointless or a waste of time to me, they said, but in the end, it was needed and much noticed. Looking back, I realize now that maybe I needed that time to help shape my skills and calling as a pastor, as a mom, and as a person. It was hard. But looking back, God was in it. I just didn't see it at the time. So today, I invite you to step back and think for a moment about where you are at this point in your life today. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you are wasting time? Like Joseph, are you in your own pit, struggling with a hardship or an injustice or being treated unfairly? Have you needed answers to a question that cannot be answered right now? Are you struggling with the grievances of life or seeking peace? If so, take a moment and look around you. You are not alone. Though it is hard, it may be time to cover it up and walk away for a while. To plant that seed, cover it up and walk away. After a while, see what springs forth. Try to let go of control. Instead, be curious about what God is doing beneath the sometimes rugged or seemingly impossible surface of our lives. Give it time. Give it over to God. In God's timing, the truth will be revealed. The seed will flourish. And like Joseph, we will be set free. Like Joseph, we will be empowered by God to use the time we have in bold and powerful ways. As I was thinking about this, I realized that the last time I actually wore a watch was around seven years ago, before Xavier was born. Since that day, I have not worn a watch. At first I thought, well, as a new mom, I don't want to have something around my wrist that's annoying me or getting in the way. But since that time, I realized that it's more than that. It's more than that. I stopped looking at my wrist all the time. Time became more about what I made it and how I spent it. I became less concerned about the actual time and more concerned with trusting God with the time that I have. So I wonder, what would happen if each of us set aside our own worry of time and instead we trusted in God to let it unfold? May it be so.